Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you will learn the world is not what it seems, and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we're going to talk about the notion that we create the outside world from the inside, and for good reason. I'll get right into it with uh, a few thoughts from uh, Seth. He says, The outsideness of the physical world is connected with a multidimensional insideness. That exterior world is thrust outward, however, and projected into reality in line with your conscious desires, beliefs, and intent. It is important that you remember this position of the conscious mind as you think of it. Each physical experience is unique. And while the energy for it and the creation of it come from within, the pristine, private, and yet shared quality of that experience could not exist in the same way were it not so exteriorized. As you know, we've talked many times about the fact that the exterior, exterior world that we perceive is a, an illusion, one that we co-create. But remember, we do create it for good reason, and uh, it's an illusion with a purpose. Let me uh, give you more of Seth here. The exteriorization has great purpose and meaning then, and brings forth a different kind of expression. Though I may emphasize the importance of inner reality, I am in no way denying the great validity and purpose of earthly experience. Nevertheless, the blueprints lie within. We've talked about dreaming, but another method that could be used to study the nature of reality includes to some extent identification with rather than separation from that which is being studied. While connected with your own civilization, the man Einstein came closest, perhaps, in this regard, for he was able to quite naturally identify himself with various, quote, functions of the universe. He was able to listen to the inner voice of matter. He was intuitively and emotionally led to his discoveries. He leaned against time and felt it give and wobble. The true mental physicist that we've discussed in the past will be a bold explorer, not picking at the universe with small tools, but allowing his consciousness to flow into the many open doors that can be found with no instrument but with the mind. So here Seth is referring to the limitations of scientific instruments, and he has noted a number of times that scientists can't really know the true nature of reality uh, using instruments while they are separate from it. He continues, you are presently little aware of the dimensions of consciousness, your own or seemingly beneath your own, the true physicist is one who would dare turn around inside his own consciousness. There are inner structures within matter. 
These are swirls of energy. They have more purposes than one. The structures are formed by organization of consciousness, or the consciousness units that we've talked about a number of times. You have the most intimate knowledge of the nature of a cell, for example, or of an atom. They compose your flesh. There is, in certain terms, a continuum of consciousness there, of which your present physical life is a part. You are in certain kinds of communication and communion with your own cells, and at certain levels of consciousness you know this. A true physicist would learn to reach that level of consciousness at will. There were pictures drawn of cellular structures long before any technological methods of seeing them were available in your terms. Now, you might recall in recent episodes we've talked about the fact that the cells contain uh, DNA that is the information that contains the blueprints for not just the present, but the future and the past. And we are able, if we could learn to, we're really equipped to uh, peer into different future possibilities and decide which ones we want to make real or materialize. So Seth goes on, he says, there are shapes and formations that appear when your eyes are closed that are perfect replicas of atoms, molecules, and cells, but you do not recognize them as such. There are also paintings, so-called abstracts, unconsciously produced, many by amateurs, that are excellent representations of such inner organizations. Rubert, that's what Seth uh, refers to Jane as Rubert, that's the bigger self with a slightly masculine orientation. Rubert has at times been able to throw his consciousness into small physical instruments, computer components, for instance, and to perceive their interactivity at the level of, say, electrons. Given time in your terms, a knowledge of the structure of so-called particles could be quite as clearly understood by using such techniques. Now, however, your terms would not match. Yet, your terms are precisely what imprison you and lead you to the, quote, wrong kinds of questions. The wrong kinds of questions are the right ones for you, however, in your civilization and with your beliefs, because you want to stay within that structure to that extent. Only now are you beginning to question your methods and even your questions. The true physicist would be able to ask his questions from his usual state of consciousness, and then turn that consciousness in other directions, where he himself would be led into, quote, adventures with reality, in which the questions would themselves be changed, and the answers would be felt. But most physicists do not trust felt answers, feeling is thought to be far less valid than a diagram. It seems you could not operate your world on feelings, but you're not doing very well trying to operate with diagrams either. In many cases, your scientists seem to have the strange idea that you can understand a reality by destroying it, that you can perceive the life mechanism of an animal by killing it, or that you can examine a phenomenon best by separating yourself from it. So often you attempt to examine the nature of the brain in man by destroying the brains of animals. 
by separating portions of the animal brain from its components, isolating them, and tampering with the overall integrity of both the animal in question and of your own spiritual processes. By this I mean that each such attempt puts you more out of context, so to speak, with yourself and your environment and with other species. While you may, quote, learn certain so-called facts, you are driven still further away from any great knowledge because the so-called facts stand in your way. You do not, as yet, understand the uniqueness of consciousness. So what Seth is saying here is that the accepted scientific methods of our day are truly taking us further and further away from recognizing the powers of our own consciousness. He's also implying that our own consciousness could more accurately determine the nature of reality than the scientific instruments that we use. All right, he goes on, It is absurd to believe that you can learn something about consciousness by destroying it. It is absurd to believe that you can learn one iota about the inner reality of life when your search leads you to destroy it. Destruction, you see, in your terms, presupposes a misunderstanding of life to begin with. There are ways of identifying with animals, with atoms and molecules. There are ways of learning from the animals. There are methods that can be used to discover how different species migrate, for example, and then to duplicate such feats technologically if you want to. These methods do not include dissection. For what you learn that way, you will not be able to use. In a way, you are simply over-exuberant, like children playing a new game. You will discover that, at best, you are using children's blocks. Some of you have already come to that conclusion. Even in your terms of history and serial time, as a race, you have tried various methods of dealing with the physical world. In this latest venture, you are discovering that exterior manipulation is not enough, that technology alone is not the answer. Please understand me, there's nothing wrong with a loving technology. If Einstein had been a better mathematician, he would not have made the breakthroughs that he did. He would have been too cowed, that's C-O-W-E-D, too cowed. Yet even then, his mathematics did hold him back and put a kink in his intuitions. Often, if you take it for granted that intuitive knowledge is not practical, will not work, or will not give you diagrams, huh? those same diagrams of which science is so proud can also be barriers, giving you a dead instead of a living knowledge. Therefore, then they can be quite impractical. So in those comments, uh, Seth is making the point that the methods of killing and separation and then examining something point by point, the, the physical matter part, that will never lead to true knowledge of reality, the way that extension and expansion of consciousness could, which is something that Einstein used. But even for Einstein, he points out, the mathematical knowledge got in the way of the consciousness so Seth concludes, I admit I'm being sneaky here, but if you did not feel the need to kill animals to gain knowledge, 
then you would not have wars either. You would understand the balances of nature far better. If you did not feel any need to destroy reality, in your terms, in order to understand it, then you would not need to dissect animals, hoping to discover the reasons for human diseases. You would have attained a living knowledge long ago, in which diseases as such did not occur. You would have understood long ago the connections between mind and body, feelings, health, and illness. I am not saying that you would have necessarily had a perfect world, but that you would have been dealing more directly with the blueprints for reality. Well, those blueprints he's referring to again, they are contained in the DNA of ourselves, and therefore we can access those blueprints with our consciousness. Those last comments by Seth are quite provocative, especially when he says that if we didn't feel the need to kill animals to gain knowledge, then we would not have wars either. To most of us, that's quite a, a leap. But what he's referring to is the fact that at our present level, we don't really understand the nature of reality. And if we did, we would not have wars. I suppose, for that matter, we would not have a lot of other negative things that exist today in our world. Well, that concludes today's episode. And once more, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.